0: Yo, what's up, Ninja Turtles fans? Welcome back to a new episode of Booyaka Show, a TMNT podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach Norris, aka Zoso TMNT, aka Zach the Fifth Turtle. Today, we are here to discuss the second episode of the 2012 Ninja Turtle Show, Rise of the Turtles Part 2. It is part 2 of a two part story. We talked about part 1 last episode. We're going to finish it up, bring everything to a close in this episode. But. Before we begin with the episode stuff, I wanna talk about a couple toys that I have recently uh, acquired. I acquired two of these off of the the Devil Itself eBay, and another one I grabbed in store at a Walmart, but I'll talk about my eBay finds and then we'll talk about the Walmart finds. So on eBay, I grabbed a Shogun Donnie, the Shogun line, is a line from the mid-90s, kind of as the Turtles toys were slowing down a little bit. These are popular now with collectors because they're kind of hard to find, seeing as they were released later in the Turtles toys run. Uh, The hype was dying down, so Playmates wasn't making as much stuff as they would, you know, the earlier runs. So the Shogun line is a really neat line, a really dope line. I love it. Um, As I've told you guys before, If you take the Ninja Turtles and put them in Samurai armor, it's pretty much a done deal for me. You've got me already hook, line, and sinker. But these guys take it up a notch, and they're not just Samurai, they're Shoguns, and their Samurai armor is metallic, which big thing in the 90s was metallic armor, metallic toys. They still do it every once in a while nowadays. Uh, You don't see it as much, but... It looks really good on these Turtles. The, the figures themselves are basically just... Um, they're the figures from the third movie figures that are... The paint is redone on them and then their armor is kind of upgraded and again it's metallic. So, I love these figures. I love the metallic armor. I love the samurai vibe. And their armor is also themed after different animals. Leo is a tiger. Donnie is a bear, Raph is a dragon, I believe, and Michelangelo is a snake, so their armor's kind of animal-themed and has these cool little motifs that, you know, speak to the animal they're based off of, so grabbed a Donatello, I now have Leonardo and Donatello from that set, I'm just trying to get the four turtles, there are more figures than that, I believe there is a, I know for sure there's a splinter, there's a triceraton, and then there is a Shoate, I think is how you say his name, or Shote. I'm not sure, but he's this, you know, big dinosaur uh like figure. Very popular. Some of them um they're again they're hard to get because there weren't a lot of them made, especially of the Schwate and the Triceraton. If you can find those carded, they're hundreds and hundreds of dollars. The other interesting thing about this line is that the turtles actually come in two armor variants. Um they made silver armor for them and they made gold armor. According to what I've seen on the internet, the gold armor is harder to find depending on which turtle you're talking about. I think for Leo... Actually, I guess I guess the, the gold armor would be harder to find in general. But it's interesting with that aspect because I feel like I see a lot of gold Raphael. You don't see a lot of gold everybody else. From what I've seen... A gold Leo is really hard to find. A gold Michelangelo is really hard to find. And a gold Donatello is almost impossible to find. I've actually never even seen a gold Donatello in a picture or anything. But um, I've got, my two Shogun are in silver. Uh, I like the silver armor on both of them. Really the only gold armored turtle that I've seen that I uh, liked visually was Michelangelo. There's something about the way his gold armor looks with the color of his deco that's really cool. But yeah, long story longer, I grabbed a Shogun Donatello. Now two of four turtles down in the Shogun line. I'm going to try and nab the rest of those guys here eventually. My other eBay find is a little more of a recent drop, um, but there's an interesting aspect to it. I grabbed a 2012 Michelangelo figure, just a, a... Plain Jane Michelangelo from the 2012 Nickelodeon line, but it is a Japanese release version of the figure. It is in packaging that is unique to uh, the the company that I'm assuming licensed the toys over there is called. The, I believe the company is Dreams Come True. That's a logo on the front of the packaging. Um, but it looks really cool. Figure is the same. Accessories are the same. It's just the packaging is different. Uh, because it's from Japan, everything, all the language on it is uh, Japanese. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly which alphabet is being used. I know in Japan they have three different ones, uh, and I am not that educated on them. But it's a really cool looking figure. The figure is the initial wave of the Turtle Drop. You know those ones that kind of looked a little mean and they had a little more detail to them, and their uh, faces were a little more aggressive. It's that figure in a really cool. Japanese packaging, Uh, I'm a nerd for Japanese stuff, so really like this Michelangelo, and I'm watching out for the other three turtles, they're kind of hard to find, they're not very expensive when you do find them, but they're just, they're not out there everywhere, I've only seen them on eBay a few times, and only seen them on Instagram once, so if anybody sees any of those, and you know, has uh, has a line or two, let your guy know, I appreciate it. And lastly, um, the most recent pickup I had was a foot lieutenant figure uh, from Walmart. I grabbed the foot lieutenant from the Rise of the Turtles line. Um, The only Rise figures that I have or that I've really been interested in are the Turtles and April. I don't have a Baron Draxum, don't have the Alberto or Meat Sweats, um, anything like that. I'm kind of trying to stay away from getting too deep into the Rise stuff. I really just wanted the Turtles um, in April. But when I saw the images of the Foot Lieutenant, I was like, okay, I need this guy. I actually do want the Origami Foot Soldier as well. I think they look really cool. But um, no plans on opening those guys. Just want to have them to, uh, to collect, to stash away. Um, but the Foot Lieutenant looks really cool. And his character is, uh, I believe, voiced by Rob Paulson. So another cool little detail to it. But figure looks great. I found one at Walmart, Um, so if you guys are looking, I would definitely try Walmarts because that's where I got mine. I saw that based on what I've seen online, they're a little hard to find. Um, I don't know if that still is ringing true, but when I was looking for him, I had to go to quite a few different Walmarts. I think I hit three different Walmarts. I went to a few different Targets and tried Walgreens and didn't find him until the last Walmart I went to. So if you're looking for the foot lieutenant, he's out there. Just be patient. Best of luck on your turtles hunts. And that's all the toy stuff I got for today, guys. But with that being said, again, before I jump into the breakdown review, I kind of want to talk about something that maybe I should have talked about on the last episode, but I want to talk about the cast of... The 2012 show, the voice cast specifically. Uh, obviously, it's an animated show, so the cast is going to be a voice cast. But I want to talk briefly about the Turtles and Splinter's voice casting before we get into the breakdown of this episode, because man, the the guys that they brought in to do this did such a good job, and I think they brought such iconic takes to the Turtles that you know, I know a lot of people my age remember the cartoon turtles and love those voice actors and they those takes have you know stuck with us for a long time whether it be the OG cartoon show or the OG movies you know when I'm when I'm reading comic books and stuff it's the OG movie voices that you know are kind of in my head playing out in the scenes but the 2012 turtles they might slowly be taking that you know mantle uh, for me in particular. I really like what these guys brought to the table. I love the the takes that they gave, or excuse me, I love the versions of these characters that they came up with. So I just want to break down the cast real quick and talk about who is who uh, behind the shell of each turtle. So starting first with Leo, in this season we have Jason Biggs. You guys will know Jason Biggs from American Pie, among other things. He um actually only ends up voicing Leo for... This season, and I think part of next season, I know I don't know if that's 100% correct, but I know that he is only Leo uh, for a short amount of time, and then there's a fill-in actor that takes his place when he leaves until they bring in Seth Green. Seth Green voices Leo from the time he takes over to the end of the show, and Seth Green does a great job. We'll talk about him when he takes over, but Jason Biggs, I really liked Jason Biggs his take on Leonardo and I, I like him in these first episodes and I think he he's got a great voice he sounds like a teenager but he sounds sounds like a teenager but he sounds mature and he sounds like a you know a big brother and you know he sounds like he wants to be the best for his brothers and and I appreciate that so Jason Biggs did a good job and he's the uh for the first season or so maybe two we're we're going to be talking about Jason Biggs as Leonardo uh, next up, as Michelangelo, we have Greg Sipes. Um, you guys will definitely know Greg as the voice of Beast Boy from Teen Titans. Again, among many other things, he's a big-time voice actor. And Greg brings a lot of charm and a lot of heart and a lot of silliness to Michelangelo. I think he nails it. He's obviously the light-hearted brother, the funny brother, the sometimes annoying little brother, a little bit of airheaded, and and Greg just nails all those things. With Raphael, uh, my favorite turtle, we have Sean Aston. You guys will know Sean as Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. He's, as far as I know, Sean is known more for you know, movie and TV acting than he is voice acting, but he to me, he did a great job with raphael he He sounds mean when he needs to sound mean. He sounds like you know the kind of bully is not the right word, but he sounds like the older brother that you know would kind of give you a hard time and give you some quote unquote tough love. Sean does a really good job and and his raft is definitely one of my favorite rafts of all time. And then we lastly for the turtles, for Donatello, we have the OG, a former turtle, Rob Paulson. You guys will know Rob Paulson as Raphael from the original nineteen eighty seven Ninja Turtles cartoon. You'll also know him As Pinky from Pinky in the Brain, Yako from Animaniacs. I mean, he's everything and everybody. Like I said earlier, he's the Foot Lieutenant now in Rise of the Rise of the TMNT. So the guy's been everywhere, done everything, and and he does a great Donnie. He's brings the the nerdiness out, the intellectual out, the kind of cranky you know brother. Sometimes you know Mikey's messing with his experiments and he gets frustrated and. Uh, you know, the kind of sappy, sprung-over-April moments, he does those really well. Rob is, again, he's an OG. He's been voice acting since before I was born, so OG might be a bit of an understatement, but he brought a, a really, really good take to Donatello, um, especially when they do the crossover episodes that mix the 2012 Turtles with the 87 Turtles. It's really fun and really interesting having him in there as Donnie and Raphael. So great cast for the Turtles. I love the choices they made. And then lastly, last voice we're going to talk about for today at least is Splinter's voice, and he is voiced by Hoon Lee. I hope I'm saying that correctly. From what I found on IMDb and the internet, uh, Mr. Lee is more known for stage acting and television acting. He has done um, a few voice. He has been casted for some voice parts, Uh, again, according to his IMDB, he does have credits and other things, but man, oh man, guys, Hoon Lee as Splinter may end up, by the time this is all said and done, he may end up being my Splinter. Again, that's tough for me to say because I love the Splinter from the 1990 movie, I'm mad at myself right now that I didn't have the voice actor's name ready from that movie. I believe it's, man, I'm going to sound like such a nerd right now. I believe it's Kevin Clash. Give me one second. We're going to just hop over here on the internet real quick and figure this out before I get any further. I should know this. It's my favorite version of the Turtles, and it's kind of my favorite version of Splinter. Let's see. Pardon my typing, if you can hear it. Yeah, got y'all with that one, huh? Yep, Kevin Clash. Sorry, should have known that. Shouldn't have needed to look it up, but that is the man behind Splinter. Um, you guys know Kevin Clash. He's done everything. He's big time. But yeah, Hoonley. Is so good as Splinter. He is fatherly. He sounds, you know, old and wise and sounds like it's perfect. His portrayal of Splinter is perfect. When he needs to sound like a wise sensei, he sounds like a wise sensei. When he needs to sound like a compassionate father, he sounds like a compassionate father. When he needs to sound like a you know embittered old rival to certain other characters he sounds angry and you just you hear the past in his voice and i love it wonderful portrayal of splinter ends up you know we'll talk about it as we go through all these episodes he's just the voice of reason for the turtles and he brings a lot of heart to the show and a lot of wisdom and he just ends up being a wonderful part of this show and a wonderful part of Turtles history. So you guys will probably hear me more often than not showing a lot of love to this version of Splinter. So yeah, that is everything I wanted to talk about before we got things cracking. Now that we're almost 20 minutes in, I think I've dragged on a little bit too long, so apologies for that. But again, let's, uh, let's get this show on the road. Let's start talking about Rise of the Turtles Part 2. So once again guys, today's episode is a breakdown and review of Rise of the Turtles Part 2. The episode was written by Joshua Sternen and J.R. Ventimiglia and it was directed by Alan Wan. I'm going to just read you guys a brief synopsis of the episode before we get into the recap. Part 2 of Rise of the Turtles opens with a recap of Part 1. After the intro, we catch up with the Turtles as they discuss the mutagen they found in the van. They realize the connection between this substance and their mutation and want to learn more. They also get Snake, the bad guy who was driving the van, to tell them about the men who took the girl. He calls them the Krang and says they've been kidnapping scientists all over the city. They stake out the location the Krang are using to transport the scientists and Snake escapes the Turtles. Leo and Raph track him down, but they come up with a plan and trick him into misinforming the Krang. Back in the Turtles' lair, we get another Splinter flashback story as he discusses failure with Leonardo. Over at the Krang base, we're introduced officially to April and her father who try unsuccessfully to escape. Outside the base, Snake and other Krang enforcers await the arrival of the Turtles, but Leo's plan is working. The Turtles infiltrate the base and we get our first glimpse of their stealth-slash-action eyes. The Turtles face off against hordes of Krangbots and then outside they face their first mutant foe, Snakeweed. The Krang are getting away with April and her dad, but Donnie goes after the helicopter they're escaping in. Donnie saves April just before the others take down Snakeweed and everyone escapes the compound. We jump over to April's aunt's house and see her and the Turtles become allies. Back at the lair, Splinter praises Leonardo's leadership as the Turtles hear about their exploits on the news. The scene cuts over to Tokyo, Japan where someone else sees the same news story and it doesn't bode well for Splinter and the Turtles. Alright guys, so there's the synopsis of this episode. Now you know loosely what's going to happen, so let's get into this breakdown. Like I said, the show opens with a previously on that recaps the last episode, which helps since this is a two-part story. And then after the recap, we head into the show's intro. After the intro, we catch up with the turtles who are examining the canister that fell out of the van at the end of the last episode. Mikey, being a giant dork, says they should drink some of it, because if you mutate a mutant, you'll get a super mutant. Which... As some of us may or may not know, that's a a little bit of foreshadowing for stuff way down the line, but that's neither here nor there. Leo then remarks that the discovery of this canister is a big deal for them because whoever kidnapped the girl and her father are somehow connected to the turtle's mutation day. Mikey then references the robots with brains in their chest, but his brother still don't believe him, so Mikey tries to prove his point on the driver of the van, who we find out is named Snake, and he is actually a human. Mikey tries to pull Snake's mask off, but he's human, so he ends up just wrenching on the dude's face. Rafton then threatens to dump mutagen on Snake until he gives him the information they want. Time to get some answers. Who are you and what's going on? Name's Snake, and I got nothing to say to you hideous freaks. Well, that's because you don't know us yet. Ah! Uh! See, we were just regular guys until we got hit with a little of this. What are you doing? Playing a little game I like to call Mutation Roulette. Now you could turn out handsome like me. Or you might end up disgusting and deformed, like Mikey here. Hey! So Raph gets Snake to crack under pressure, informing the Turtles that the kidnapper- Kidnappers. Raph gets Snake to crack under pressure, informing the Turtles that the kidnappers are rounding up scientists from all over New York and that they're called the Krang. He says the Krang are taking the scientists out of the city that night, but he doesn't know where. Donnie nerds out over the fact that the girl's father is a scientist, and he thinks that that's somehow going to get him an in with the girl. Hey, I'm a scientist, her dad's a scientist. She'll totally dig me. The turtles get Snake to inform them of Krang's location. We then cut over to the turtles on a rooftop with their hostage as they scope out the Krang's location. Raph just wants to rush in, fist first, but Donnie says they can't mess this up because people's lives are at stake. Raph says they won't mess up and literally... Right after he says that, we find out that Mikey has let Snake escape. Of course. Bravo, Mikey. The turtles split up and they chase after him. Raph and Leo end up tracking Snake down as he hides behind a dumpster in a dark alley, but instead of going down to the alley and confronting him, they cook up a little plan and they mislead him with some misinformation. Oh, great! We let him get away! Whoa, whoa! You're the leader! That means you let him get away! You're not helping! I'm not trying to help. Okay, okay. You want me to lead? Fine. We go back to the lair, gear up, and at midnight, we drive Snake's van right up to the gate. They'll think we're him, and we'll cruise right in. And then we bust some heads. And then we bust some heads. I love a happy ending. So we'll see Leo's plan unfold in a bit, but in the meantime, we head back to the turtle's lair, where the boys are gearing up for their next mission. Raph is having a heart-to-heart with his pet turtle. Really sweet scene, until Mikey interrupts like a jerk. Donnie's at a welding table cooking up some gear they'll need for the mission. Looks like he's making some climbing spikes, some things they're going to throw on their hands so they can climb up buildings and stuff. Leo is in the dojo planning with Splinter. And Splinter breaks Leo off with some knowledge about planning and leadership and he digresses into another flashback. In Splinter's flashback, it's kind of an animated comic book style, something we'll see a lot as they do you know, flashbacks and stuff like that. Splinter's flashback breaks down the relationship he had with a former friend turned enemy, now known as the Shredder. He explains that they were in the same ninja clan, until love for a woman tore them apart. Their rivalry turned bitter, and then turned violent. Shredder tried to kill Splinter, but instead killed Splinter's wife and daughter. Now we know who the woman and baby were in Splinter's picture from last episode. Leo tells Splinter that they can handle this mission. And then of course, Raph and Mikey burst in as Raph angrily chases Mikey through the lair, because Mikey was making fun of him for talking to his turtle. We then cut back over to the Krang base, and we head inside as we find the young girl and her father locked in a Krang holding cell. We find out that the girl's name is April, and that she's determined and resourceful as we see her form a plan that doesn't really go the way she uh, plans it. Back outside, we find Snake prepping a team of Krangbot dudes as they wait for the turtles to attack. In this scene, we get our first taste of a running joke about the Krang's way of speaking. The Krang do this interesting thing where they talk about, they kind of overdo their nouns and verbs, they kind of talk in circles to make one point, I don't know, it's it's really interesting, you guys know what I'm talking about if you've seen this show, and uh, it's a it starts out fun and then it, it becomes a running joke throughout the series about the way the Krang speak, but anyways, we'll keep it going. A Snake lashes out at the Krangbots for their annoyingly repetitive way of speaking, his van that the turtles borrowed comes barreling towards the Krang base. It crashes into the building head-on and explodes, sending mutagen flying everywhere. Some of the mutagen lands on Snake, and we get a quick glimpse of his silhouette as he's transformed by the substance. Kind of a scary little scene here. He cuts out to like a silhouette, and we see like some crazy arm tentacle things pop out of snake, and it's, it's a little bit creepy, a little bit scary. The Krang then check the van and realize that no one is inside. The camera shoots over and we see the turtles stealthily climbing the outer wall of the base while the Krang are distracted. Mikey comments on their luck as the van showed up to distract the Krang. Then there's a funny visual gag here as Donnie gets annoyed uh, slash frustrated and slaps his face while he's wearing the climbing spikes. So he slaps his face and then he stabs himself. And then Leo breaks down the situation for Mikey. Wow, lucky thing that van showed up to distract them. Hmm. That was the plan, Mikey. We knew Snake was hiding in the alley, so Raph and I made him think we would be in the van. But we weren't in the van. Just keep climbing. The turtles then make their way into the base, and we see a quick little action scene as they take out some crankbots. They sneak in through some vents, and Raph and Leo drop down to handle business. We get some super brief, but super cool shots of the boys with their stealth eyes out. Now, again, just for a quick reference, if you hear me say stealth, Eyes or action eyes or stealth Slash action eyes I'm referring To the turtles eyes when they go all white Uh, Pupils disappear and that's Basically their let's get down To business face I thought that was a really cool detail That this show utilized We'll talk kind of like stylistic choices At the end of this episode But that's something that I always really appreciated Was you know when the turtles Get down to business their faces change And they get down to business pretty cool So the turtles creep down a hallway looking for April and her father and they notice some exposed crankbots down the hall from them. Uh, I say exposed because there seems to be two different types of crankbots uh, inside the base. There's ones that are just like the metal shell with the alien brain in their chest, like the cyborg with the brain in their chest. And then there's these blue ones that have like a, I don't want to call it a skin, but it seems like there's a layer of something over the metal cyborg body that encases the body and the brain. And then, of course, there's the Krangs who have the, like, human appearance, the human face and the business suit and all that stuff. So the turtles see these bots, and it's their first time seeing them. They haven't seen them without their usual get-up, the business suit and black hair, so these exposed Krang bots are a surprise to them. Donnie is taken aback by the alien robots, and Mikey gets frustrated because he's been trying to tell everybody, "Yo." There's alien robots, so Mikey yells at Donnie, and his outrage alerts the Krangbots, and a fight ensues. We get more rad shots of the Turtles with their stealth eyes at stealth eyes out. They handle business, take down a bunch of Krang. Leo then gets a really dope action shot where he slices through one of the Krangbots, and some kind of like pink liquid bursts from it, and it looks kind of it's It looks like it's supposed to imitate blood splatter, but it's just this pink glowing. Uh, you know, substance that looks like it sprays across the the screen looks like kind of an old, like samurai effect, is like blood splatter, but it's like neon pink. Pretty, pretty rad looking little effect there. After the fight, Mikey picks up a Krang brain creature, holds it out to his brothers, and yells at them for not believing him. I'll let you guys get a little taste of that action. See. It's a brain thing! I told you! I told you! But did any of you believe me? No! Because you all think I'm just some kind of bonehead! Once he's done yelling, the Krang wakes up and starts chomping on Mikey's arm. He then shakes it off and flings it at the wall where it lands on some sort of alarm which then alerts the whole base to the turtle's presence. The turtles decide to follow some power conduits that Donnie frustratedly points out to Raphael because he believes that if they follow this power to its source, they're going to figure out what's going on here, and they might find April. Sure enough, they discover April in her father's cell, and Donnie works the lock to break them out. Donnie and April exchange names, and Donnie comments that April's name is pretty, of course, because he's smitten with her. He's taking too long for April and Raph's taste, so Raph shoves Donnie out of the way and demolishes the lock, but the door opens a second too late, and the boys see April and her dad being taken by some crankbots out the other side of the cell. Turns out there was two doors, one on each side. We kind of saw that earlier. And the Krang dudes took them out the other side while the door was opening. The turtles follow them. They end up outside where April and her dad are being led to a helicopter on a rooftop. The turtles follow, but their path is obstructed by their first mutant enemy. The turtles, and we, the audience, are introduced to our first mutant bad guy. We will see many, many, many more of these in the show. But this is kind of a big deal because he's the first one. It's the character Snake that we saw earlier. He's been mutated, and he was transformed into a giant weed-like creature with claw tentacle hands and vines and stuff that protrude from him. And he was transformed into this weed thing because he was standing in a field where there was weeds when the mutagen hit him, so he's now part human, part weed. And as the turtles put together who this guy is and what he is, Raph and Mikey have a hilarious exchange about Snake mutating. That's weird. You'd think you'd get mutated into a snake. Yeah, you would, if you were an idiot. But his name is Snake. So? You don't understand science. Snake attacks the turtles while the Krang are loading April and her dad onto the helicopter. So Leo boosts slash catapults Donnie onto the roof so he can go for April while the others handle Snakeweed and the extra Krang. Speaking of, Uh, Snakeweed. Mikey names Snake Snakeweed and Raph and Leo are confused. Mikey explains that his name was Snake and now he's a weed so he's Snakeweed. Another running joke that happens for the first time in this episode and we'll see it become a thing where Mikey becomes the de facto namer of all the bad guys. We will hear about and learn about many other bad guys that Michelangelo names throughout the series of this show or throughout the course of this show, excuse me. Raph, Leo, and Mikey are then surrounded by some Krang and Snakeweed while Donnie goes full-on ninja stuntman pole vaulting himself onto the helicopter which is taking off. The three brothers on the ground aren't doing so well until Leo comes up with a plan to lure Snakeweed close to some big power lines. Those uh, power conduits that Donnie discovered earlier are going to pay off here in the end. Donnie is fighting to get into the helicopter. He's hanging from one of the, I don't know what they call the the things off the bottom, the sleds or the legs of the helicopter. He's hanging on to one, trying to get to April. Of course, a Krangbot comes out and is shooting at him. Another one's, you know, the, it's craziness. It's like an 80s action movie. Also, maybe a sly hint at the uh, old Image comics where Donatello is in a helicopter and, and you know, falls out and becomes part cyborg. Maybe I'm I'm reaching there, but Donnie in a helicopter made me think of it. April... In the midst of all this uh, action at the helicopter, April falls out, and Donnie has to jump off of it to save her, which he does so in his spectacular smooth ninja style. Donnie asks if April's okay, and she is, but the Krang got away with her dad, so she's super bummed. Back over in the other fight, Leo gets Snakeweed where he wants him, and then he taunts him by calling him Stinkweed. He then jumps over him, and he taunts the Krang into shooting at Snakeweed and the generator. The Krang blasts Snakeweed in the generator, causing it to explode, electrocuting Snakeweed in the process. The turtles make a smooth getaway, but the Krang remark on the turtles being a threat to their operations, pretty much ensuring that we'll see them again. There's also a shot of Snakeweed laying on the ground supposedly dead, but the camera zooms up close on him to his heart. His heart is kind of exposed from his body, and we see his heart go from black and white to it kind of gets some color back into it and starts beating again, which is something that I don't know... I'm not sure if that ever pays off. It's been a long time since I've seen the er, you know, the first season and the early episodes of the show, but I don't know if Snakeweed actually comes back or not. But anyways, we cut over to a balcony outside of an apartment, and the turtles are consoling April. April says she's going to stay at her aunt's a while, and Donnie promises her that they'll help her find her dad. She says it's not their fight, but Leo rejects that idea and says it is their fight, locking in their team up with April. Basically, again, ensuring that April is going to be a character that we see again. We then cut back over to the lair and Leo and Splinter are talking about the mission and Leo tells Splinter that he knows why he was chosen to be leader. I am impressed, Leonardo. You proved to be an effective leader under the most difficult of circumstances. Thank you, Sensei. And I think I figured out why you made me leader. Oh? Why is that? Because you sensed inside me a true warrior spirit that could forge us all into the heroes we are destined to become no no then why did you make me leader? because you asked that's it but you seem so certain you were right as a leader you will learn that there is no right and wrong only choices so you could have chosen any of us yes even mikey no (laughs) that would have been wrong as leo and splinter hash out the leadership stuff mikey yells for everyone to come into the living room because they've made the news, so everyone joins him at the TV where a report of quote-unquote ninjas in New York is going down. The report shows a picture of one of the brother shurikens and Splinter lectures the boys about remaining unseen. Mikey lightheartedly blows him off asking what's the worst that can happen. We then cut over to Tokyo, Japan, a place we haven't been in the show yet, and we see what actually is the worst that can happen. Again, we cut over to Tokyo, and there's a shadowy figure sitting at a big desk in a big chair. He's watching this news report, and the shadowy dude keeps pausing it and rewinding it, pausing it, rewinding it when it gets to the image of the shuriken, and he knows the symbol that's engraved on it. So the ninja star, it's like a plain J ninja star, but then it's got this engraving on top of it of this. Looks like a, you know, old school Japanese family symbol or family crest And we will later learn it to be the Hamato clan symbol. Um, But this guy obviously knows this symbol, obviously knows who it belongs to. And so the man orders someone to ready his helicopter and says he's going to New York to visit an old friend. And I'm sure we know who he's talking about, which means we know who this is, but we'll have to wait to confirm it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the episode. So. My thoughts on this episode, overall thoughts are it's an excellent ending to this episode, excellent ending to this two part arc. And I believe it's an excellent pilot story, excellent couple episodes uh, to get this show going. In this episode, we, we met a lot of people and we learned about a lot of people, mainly the turtles. You know, we know that Leo is the leader, we know he likes making plans. He tries to keep the guys organized. He tries to be prepared. He likes being a good student to splinter. He wants to learn as much as possible. Um, we've learned that Mikey's a little airheaded, but funny. But with that being said, he's a more than capable fighter. When it comes down to it, we saw him whip some Krang butt. Uh, we know that Donnie is hyper-intelligent. He makes things for the team's mission. We saw him putting together the climbing things. Uh, excuse me, the like climbing hand grip things. We know that he sprung on April we know that Raph is aggressive and he deals out some kind of tough love to his brother but he deals out to you know deals out more punishment to people that mess with his brothers uh, we see that he's kind of impulsive and he wants to just rush into things but that's why you know leo and donnie are there to balance him out we also get a lot from splinter and we actually get more from splinter than i kind of realized or remembered you know because throughout the course of the two episodes we see I think it's two or three flashbacks that explains, you know, how the turtles got mutated, where Splinter comes from in terms of being from Japan and having, you know, this ninja clan and his beef with the Shredder is explained. So, you know, we see that Splinter is, he's wise, he's patient, he's a perfect father figure, and then he's a great master, and he can also be a little funny when, you know, when he feels like he needs to be. We get all this character development in you know, one two episode arc which essentially sets the tone for the for the whole series. Like we got to learn this much about these guys in two episodes. So it kind of lets you know early on, like we're gonna get really deep into these characters and really deep into who they are as people. This story, these episodes did a great job for a great job of setting the tone for character growth and storytelling, which I really appreciate. I think this showed, you know, maybe more so than more so than a lot of Turtles cartoons thus far. I think the only I think as far as storytelling goes and like depth of the characters, the only Turtle show that ends up like hanging with this one is the two thousand three one. Uh obviously Rise is still early on, but just due to like the, the structure of those episodes and the short form storytelling, I just I don't know if we'll see that from Rise. Uh and that's perfectly fine. Rise is its own thing, but the two thousand twelve show does does great storytelling, great character development. And uh it's one of the many reasons why it's my favorite. So besides our main characters, besides the turtles, we we meet and establish the Krang as an enemy, as bad guys to the turtles. We learn about them, but we also, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know what they want with the scientists that they rounded up. We don't know, you know, where they got the mutagen and what are they doing with it. We don't even we don't know where they're from or what they want. You know, we just know that they're this mysterious alien robot force who have this mutagen and they've got scientists and they're up to something sketchy and definitely, you know, know that they're going to be bad guys for the turtles in the future. In this episode, we get our first mutant bad guy. Again, we meet Snakeweed. It's the first time we see a human. Well, it's not the first time we see a human mutated because in Splinter's flashback we see him mutated, but it's the first time we see, you know, somebody mutated who becomes a bad guy. Again, referencing, going back to Splinter's flashbacks, we see two of those, both of which connect to the bad guys in the story. These two flashbacks explained origin stuff that definitely seem like they're going to factor into the bigger arcs of the stories. We know the mutation story is important because it connects to the Krang. And then we also know that the story with Splinter's wife and child is important because it introduced us to the Shredder, who is probably the guy at the end of the episode, again, most Ninja Turtle fans, if not everybody, just know that this guy at the end of the episode is Shredder. So I don't think it's spoilery to say that that's the Shredder. But to be a hundred percent fair, it's not. You know, we don't see anybody call him the Shredder at the end of the episode. We just, you know, assume. So again, overall, these two episodes are awesome introductions to the characters and story. Uh, can't wait to see where it goes from here. Rise of the Turtles as a story arc, it gave us a lot to dig into while also planting some seeds for long form storytelling to play out in the future. Uh, the action scenes are great. The humor works a lot of the times for me. Some of it, you know, some of the humor is definitely aimed at kids, but I laugh at this show a lot. The turtles personality traits are good so far. Um, we've definitely got a bit, we've got a bit of room for, for each of them to kind of expand and, and, and grow as characters. So these are, uh, great episodes and a great start to the series. Like I did mention, I wanted to talk briefly about um, some stylistic choices that they make with the show. One thing that initially hooked me to this show when I was randomly catching episodes on TV was that the, the show is obviously CGI animated. We You know that from first looking at it. But something that I appreciate about the, A, the the cgi animation is beautiful the turtles look great the backgrounds look great everything looks really cool the action scenes uh are really clean and look really nice stuff doesn't get all like jumbled up and muddy you, you don't ever really like lose what's going on in the action but they do all these little interesting things that kind of pull from other animation styles you see little things that kind of reference comic book stuff like speed lines you know characters will do certain things it, it's there's the animation style is clearly its own thing with the turtles having their own look and just the style of the show the CGI style and the art style being its own thing but it also pulls a little bit from comic books and anime and manga uh, again with the speed lines and then you'll see certain characters like their eyes like when Mikey or excuse me when Donnie sees April for the first time his eyes turn into giant hearts the background gets all pink and red and you know they do that kind of thing and You'll see other instances like that throughout the show. Raph will get mad and his eyes will turn into, you know, fireballs and the turtles will get sad and these little like animated tears will well up in their eyes and things like that that are just little touches that add these little bits of flair here and there and, and give this series its its own kind of touch and its own style and its own kind of tone um, that I think is really great. Definitely was one of the things that initially like drew me to the show. I'm actually patiently slash impatiently waiting to get to a certain episode where Mikey makes a joke about getting a tattoo of his face on his face. It's a great moment and it's one of the, there's a couple, I don't want to spoil any of the podcast, but there's two instances that, there's two instances with Mikey that really drew me into this show um, because of its humor and because of, um, it's kind of like homage to homages to prior turtle media and stuff and one is the tattoo of my face on my face and then the other one is the ninja smoke bomb gag that they do with Mikey i cannot wait to get to those scenes so we can talk about them i love them but um anyways that's it for me guys that's it for rise of the turtles part 1 and part 2 next uh turtles episode that we will talk about will be episode 3 of the 2012 Nickelodeon TV show. Um, again, you guys can find me on SoundCloud. I'm on iTunes. We're back on Stitcher. Um, if you use Stitcher to listen to podcasts, you can find Buyaka Show on there. Um, I need to hop on there and um, kind of update some of the information, but the episode should be on there. The feed should be good. You should be getting every everything that, you know, up to date. I am on Instagram and Twitter. At uh, as Zoso T M N T. That's Z O S O T M N T on Instagram. I post uh, toys from my collection, comic books that I'm reading, all that good stuff. And then on Twitter, I'm basically just talking turtles and how I feel about comic book stuff and TV stuff. Find me on there. Follow me on social media. Some ratings and reviews and stuff on uh, podcast apps are great. I appreciate those. That's it for this time, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Booyaka Show, a TMNT podcast. I'm your host, Zach Norris. Catch you on next time. Peace.